0: we told you this was going to happen. We told you that if the entire world isn't vaccinated, the virus is going to spread uncontrolled. And we know that when when it replicates uncontrolled, this leads to new variants. And we told you this was gonna happen. And they have been warning about it for a long time, well before this new variant.
1: Muy, muy buenas tardes a todo X. Welcome to another episode of the Situation Room Podcast live stream. I'm here. You're there. We're all back together again after way too long of a break. My God, vacation's hard. You know, you know it's tough, especially when it's with your mom for some reason. Why would that be stressful? Um, we're all here. Ramona, my cat, is uh, just meowing at me from the sidelines. Uh, she's been stuck to me like glue, as Sean DePaul would say, uh, ever since I came back. And it's so good to be back. My God, it's good to be here. We've got such a good show. Um, uh, journalist Sarah Lazar and good friend is here. She's been writing uh, a lot about... The United States is posturing around the vaccine and patents and big pharma. Um, Do we support dropping the patents and allowing the rest of the world access to the vaccine that we're now getting our third dose of? Um, Yes, in theory. (laughs) Kind of. Not really, actually. We're owned by Pfizer. So I want to talk to her about that and uh, what the future is and what we can be demanding of uh, the Biden administration and others. Uh, also, comedian Mateen Stewart is going to be here. Super excited to have him. Been trying to have him, but he had to have a baby and a family and just the whole you know life got in the way. So he's here. Um, baby had been born. So thank God currently asleep. Hopefully he's got the headphones in. Uh, And you guys are here. So thank you so much. If you are listening as a podcast, give this podcast five stars like always or again or, you know, just like you can vote twice in the podcast world. Um, You know, just think of it like, uh, you know, you're a Republican in Nevada or whatever. Uh, Also, if you're here on YouTube and Twitch, thank you so much. And make sure to like the stream. Share it right now with your buddies on a beautiful Sunday evening. You know, those of us who are just Got a little bit too much going on to, like, be into football. You know what I mean? Um, Also, uh, hey, follow the show. Subscribe to this show right now. What are you doing if you're not subscribed? There are some exciting announcements that uh, I'm going to make now. Um, Obviously, we still have the raffle going on. This is a raffle, a merch raffle, okay? What you do is the following. You go get a piece of merch, a Frantifa merch. You got two different shirts, you got tote bags, you got stickers. Send a picture of you in that merch. First, you gotta get the merch. Bituationroom.com. Throw up the graphic. Throw up the graphic. If you're listening as a podcast, the graphic's totally there. There it is. You go to that. And if you hashtag Frantifa swag, I'm giving you three books, baby. You remember, books—they're like you know trees that died for your sins. Um, and you go there. I'm giving you three books, uh, plus some stickers, plus a little something. Uh, I haven't decided yet. Once again, is it going to be like a, a piece of chitty poop with like a little bow on it? You know, is going to be a lock of her hair? I'm not sure. It'll it'll just be a surprise. So do that. Uh, Raffling away three of my favorite books get your merch, get, get, you know, you know, swagged out this Christmas or Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Uh, and the, all the holidays, but do it, do it right now. And the other thing that I wanted to say, which is very exciting. If you're in the San Francisco Bay area, the Bituation room is back doing a live show at SF sketch Fest on Sunday, January 9th at seven o'clock at piano fight. All right. So, oh, my God, get your tickets. I don't know if you guys remember or if you were around or if you listened to or were present at a January, I think, January 19th, 2020, you know, before the gates of hell opened and swallowed us inside. Uh, But Jane McAlevey was our guest, and she was amazing. This time around, we've got Alicia Garza, who's been a guest on this show before, but I want to get into more of her thoughts on, you know, where the Black Lives Matter movement is going and has gone, why the hell Democrats, I mean, we know why Democrats are ignoring the movement, but you know, uh, why are they allowing um why are they allowing such a prominent and important social movement to be swept under the rug? Right. And I, I think she's gonna have a lot of thoughts on that. As well as, of course, the OG, uh, NATO Green is gonna be there too. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, come out. Uh, again, Sunday, January 9th. uh, It's going to be super fun. It'll all be masked and vaxxed and all the good things or the bad things or you know what I mean? The things that we have to fucking do because this is our fucking life right now. I see y'all in the chat. I appreciate you being here. Um, We are going to get into uh, all kinds of good stuff, but I wanted to remind you guys that every single episode of this show, we do 15 extra minutes. We have like a 10 to 15, sometimes even 20-minute bonus show. It's called the bonus bish. Today we're breaking down, Mateen and I are breaking down uh, the Crumbleys. Remember the Crumblies? Yeah. The Crumbleys uh, are the parents of Ethan Crumbley, uh, just our latest mass school shooter, fun. And they decided to basically run from the law because they're being, they're being charged with involuntary manslaughter. Let's talk about it. That is a pretty unprecedented and interesting move by a prosecutor to do that to parents who were negligent, who gave their child a gun. Go and become a patron right now to get access to that bonus content, which follows this show immediately. And if you listen as a podcast, that's just your stream, baby. Your whole thing is like an hour and a half of goodness. You do, the show ends, but then Mateen and I keep talking at the end and it's brilliant beautiful. We've had great conversations in the bonus episode. So make sure you are you are a patron. Again, five bucks, 10 bucks a month, uh, even two bucks a month get you access to that. But of course, there are perks for all different tiers, so make sure to go there. Patreon.com slash bituation room. Oh my God. I feel like a used car salesman, but for my career. That's that's what it is. Do I have any other announcements? Do you have anything else to say? No. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, it's been two weeks. So much has happened. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Walter Schaub. That was uh, really, really fun. And also happened during a week where Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted on all
0: charges.
1: So that was fun. and uh, But so much has happened. So much to bitch about. So I want to know, what are y'all bitching about? Guys, this is... What are you bitching about? So I went on a vacation recently. This is very quick. I'm going to make it real, real brief. I went to Costa Rica, which is a fucking beautiful, interesting country that uses 98% renewable energy and has abolished the military. (laughs) So I think they're crushing it and uh, we should follow their lead. Um but i you know i did a few like wildlife tours you know like uh, like any good you know gringo and i was took a tour of there's all these different kinds of monkeys you know there's like the the like caramel face monkey what do they call them call them like the white face monkeys basically um but like like the friends monkey and the like you know uh outbreak monkey that one they got this other monkey whose name I forgot. I'm really good with monkeys. And then they got the howler monkey. And that's what I want to talk about. Howler monkeys and sloths. And all of these animals, um, you know, swing in the trees. They hang out. I saw sloths in the wild. It was fucking adorable. Except here's the thing. Costa Rica produces a ton of pineapples for export, right? Something like 80% of pineapples in like the hem- Western Hemisphere or something like this. Huge amount of pineapples, Dole, Chiquita, all import pineapples into the United States. Uh, And those pineapples, largely, although it's changing, use pesticides, of course. Uh, And those pesticides are leaking into the river. Well, who drinks from the river? All the different kinds of monkeys that I don't know how to name. They drink from the river. And now the howler monkeys, which are black, are turning orange. Orange. This is real. So I saw, like, a baby monkey, adorable baby monkey, but it was orange. And apparently the mom was trying to shield it from the dad who was trying to kill it for being different slash contaminated. And they do that because they're like, we don't want to continue, like, the. essentially they don't want, like, the genetic malformation to continue throughout the bloodline or whatever. It sounds kind of Nazi, but it's actually not. (laughs) The point is is don't eat pineapples from Costa Rica. I'm serious about this. Like, you can try and find organic pineapples. I know it's not easy, but, like, just, you don't need pineapple, guys. You don't. You just don't. You don't need it. Don't buy a pineapple. Don't buy it for show. Try. And if you do buy a pineapple, don't buy it from Dole. Uh, at least not until they get their house in order, because they're turning the monkeys orange. Also, they're hurting the sloths and the baby sloths, and the baby sloths are being born with only one finger. Usually, they have like two or three. There's a three-toed sloth, sloth and the two-toed sloth. They're adorable. I made eye contact with a baby sloth. Yeah, no big deal. Anyway, they're getting de- they're being born deformed. It's all very sad and awful. Costa Rica is trying to change that, make more you know limits on on pesticide use, but all to say, I don't want a, a monkey having to kill its kid and like hunting it and then the mom and it just becomes an entire like drama of like howler monkey intra drama it's like a it's like a political thriller in the monkey world so let's avoid that and stop buying pineapple that uses pesticides does this make sense okay that's all i have to say that's all i learned on my vacation it was great um <laughs> and with that, someone who's going to enlighten me about their lives and what they're bitching about, uh, you know him from True TV and Comedy Dynamics. Please welcome to the Bituation Room, Mr. Mateen Stewart.
2: Hey, what's up?
1: What's going on? Thank you so much for doing the show, Mateen.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm glad I was able to do it.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad you didn't try to tell your wife that you had to do a podcast while she was going into labor, and that would have been a whole... Yeah. I mean, not that...
2: I, would, I, don't know. Know, I don't know if that would have gone over too well. No.
1: But it would have been good, like a good story, you know, because like, yeah. you could have told it on stage and shit, and like there would be a whole. Um, also, Mateen is wearing an amazing shirt.
2: Oh, yeah, you can get these. Go to my Instagram. <laughs>
1: it says the future is male birth control pills.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's about so,
2: time. It's about time. Honestly. Yeah.
1: So you would take them?
2: I would. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I would take it. I think, I think we, now
1: that you've had a kid.
2: Yeah. not <laughs> Yeah. I wish. Yeah. I wish we, we would have had it. Uh, Cause we weren't really trying to have it <laughs> proactively. We, I mean, the things that we did to have a kid, we did it, but we weren't really trying to have a kid at this time, but uh, nature is a, is a weird, weird thing. And when it's, when no cells when no cells want to meet, they meet, no matter what happens. So <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you try to do. To I love it.
1: Your daughter can always go back and listen to episode 115 of The Bituation Room to hear how her dad really feels about yeah, what went I, down. I,
2: I, I'm going to tell her the whole story. <laughs> but it's a beautiful story.
1: But... When two cells want to meet. That's how you're going to give her like like the talk, the birds and the bees yeah, talk. You, you Look, can control it, yeah hmm. Unless you've got and hopefully when she is of age where, you know, she is bringing people over, uh-huh. there will be male birth control at that point. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I mean, we have to, like, expand the court slash overthrow the government. But we'll get into that later. Mateen, what are you bitching about today?
2: Uh, I'm bitching about uh, guns, gun safety uh, and everything that's been happening with with guns and like people who like really really love guns and i just saw that family it was like a senator he posted his like santa bring ammo uh it's just it's, <laughs> it's so disgusting because because the people that represent guns are allowed to do that like if it was people that looked like me that was all over it like it would be a different story so right uh i just i hate to see i hate to see those Christmas cards with those guns man and like especially after a tragedy happened um like last week so but we'll get into all that stuff
1: we'll get into it in our bonus episode but yes you're referring to representative thomas massey Mm -hmm. uh of kentucky saying merry christmas p.s santa please bring ammo with Mm -hmm. his entire family holding an automatic rifle
2: yeah 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 and the thing about those guns is like there's there's a higher percent chance that they're they're going to kill each other than kill anybody that's coming into their house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, how many do you need? Like what this is? It, first of all, number one, this photo looks Photoshopped yeah. because it's so ridiculous. And the gun he personally is holding is so big. Mm-hmm. It's like a sniper rifle. This is every zero dark 30 Afghanistan movie. Fucking. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's just, it is fucking cheesy grand and, like, why is the couch so small?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Spend money on your couch. Yeah, that's right. very important. You use it every day. Although, who knows what they're doing with guns every day? I mean, yeah, it's. That's uh, a good thing to bitch about. I mean, the insensitivity, especially. That's it's like, yeah, yeah they're it's, beyond it's, shame it's, at this point.
2: Yeah. Like we still got them. You're not gonna take our guns from us. And no one, no one, literally, no one has ever tried to take people's guns. And that's the. That's the biggest myth of anything that, that has been pushed by gun manufacturers and lobbyists to say, you know, we wanna take no one, literally, no one has ever tried to take anyone's guns.
1: No. Um I wish they would. I'm gonna be totally straight up with you. Mm. Like I'm, i I'm. I know. I'm supposed to say like, no one's coming for your guns. But you know what? I really want to say, yeah, we're coming for your guns. Like, <laughs> we're going to take them. Like, you're a domestic abuser. We're going to take your fucking guns.
2: Yeah, there needs to be more. There needs the parameters need to be be adjusted. Um, but most of the gun laws that we have in in store today are to keep guns out of minorities and and uh, women's hands. So that's why all the gun laws are put into place. So right. so like if 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 a bunch of women just went out and bought guns or a bunch of black people just went out and legally buy guns like things would start changing.
1: Oh yeah, I mean th- that is not the full point of the Black Panthers but one very strong pillar of their what, you know, undergirded their politics was mm-hmm. like we're being killed anyway, so self-defense this is it, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um Now, of course, then the entire state apparatus turned against them and systematically murdered and undermined their cause. But, you know, that was like, when this shit happens, you're like, no, yeah, more people should be armed just to almost prove that point. But, of course, they risk being assassinated. Um,
2: And gun laws in California changed after... Like you could like the when the when they went and got the Black Panthers from the Capitol, they changed the laws where you couldn't be in the in the Capitol with, with firearms. So Right. Yeah.
1: Which is also like very head-scratching during the, you know, sort of the Michigan State Capitol, you know, yeah. uh, sh- bullshit around COVID restrictions uh-huh. and all the militias turning up. And you're like, wait, is this at all legal? Uh-huh. Well, were, were there any ramifications out of that?
2: No. So in Michigan, it's different. It was different. It's a different law. And like every state has their own different gun laws. and And that's why I think it also needs to be regulated federally. Uh, That could also change a lot of things, because California, we do have a stricter policy than most states like Wisconsin, Illinois. You know, you pretty much can go to Walmart and get a rifle. Right. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we're going to keep on talking about this because the crumblies are just, again, a saga that uh, Mm -hmm. I think we need to dig into. So that's in the bonus. Uh, Make sure you are subscribed as a patron to get access to that. We got to get into the week. A lot of things happen in these couple weeks. I'm just going over the last week. Uh, this was the week where the Supreme Court seems to be poised to overturn Roe v. Wade and allow Mississippi to ban abortions at 15 weeks, which is fairly generous, given that the bench consists of a rapist and Carrie's mom.
2: Oh, you Mm-hmm. Know? Yes,
1: Straight up. Um, workers at the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, get a do-over as the U.S. labor board rules that the company illegally interfered in their union election. And given how much they hate election interference, we can all expect the GOP and right-wing media to speak out about this vote.
2: Uh-huh. Losers. GOP Maybe. is just a bunch of losers, man.
1: <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, and Bob Dole, speaking of the GOP. Three time Republican presidential hopeful and former senator died today at the age of 98, which means he outlived his political party by about five years because, you know, it it died in 2016.
2: Yeah, I didn't I didn't know he was still alive, to be honest. I
1: you know, I think in my mind, I like put him and George Bush Sr. in the same sort of Uh like, you know, you know, they were both sort of like i mean yeah weird decrepit wheelchair bound <laughs> I'm
0: just like, I'm yeah, sorry but mm-hmm. i was like they,
1: he kind of like i felt like he took him with him so i was like oh okay
2: mm-hmm.
1: but now we have to see all of the sort of montages about mm-hmm. his life
2: i'm sure and all the old saturday night live sketches
1: yeah ex- oh yeah i hope so mm-hmm. bob dole the master of speaking in third person before mm-hmm. donald trump ever did ever that. did yeah uh and finally CNN officially terminates the contract of anchor Chris Cuomo, brother of Andrew Cuomo and Italian American role model, whose shoes can only be filled by another Italian American role model. Me. Okay. (laughs) I am Italian American. I'm also Chinese. I don't have any politically connected family members and I've never least sexually harassed anyone at work who didn't then become my fiance. Okay. So that's Uh like, at least I commit when i start shit yeah, all right
2: i got you
1: for everything else this is the week where okay so this was the week where uh in yet another memoir by a former trump official whose book you won't buy at the hudson news on your next flight we learned that trump tested positive for coronavirus Three days before his debate with Joe Biden in September of 2020. And not only that, but unlike what the public and Biden's team were told, um, Trump didn't receive a negative test before that debate. He didn't test as per stipulations and regulations of that debate. Uh, We all know this because of a new book by Mark Meadows, which is Trump's fourth and final chief of staff who repeatedly misled and lied to the public about COVID-19's transmission, but I guess now wants that public's um, support to buy Mm -hmm. his book. He chose out books. mm -hmm. It's it's not clear, though, if Meadows thinks what he is reporting on is actually bad, like what he recounted is bad. So let's get there with this story. But he did test positive. Trump did test positive three days before this debate, right? And according to Mark Meadows, who is devoutly Christian, and I'll show you to how extent what extent he is Christian. Trump's reaction when he found out that he was positive for COVID-19 on December 26th was, uh, and this is Trump's reply, the devout Christian writes, rhymed with, oh, spit, you've got to be trucking, litting me.
2: Come on, bro. It's not that much Christian in the world, bro. Come on.
1: Trucking, litting me?
2: Who, who does that? Like, to me, that's worse than cursing. Like, if you go through <laughs> it, rhymes with, you know, like that is, <laughs> and that's so hack. Like, like, that's like the hackiest premise of all premises.
1: Uh, trucking litting? It should be like cucking fitting, right?
2: Or, or why can't he say trucking kidding? Like, kidding is not a.
1: Or just effing. Just say effing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. What's
1: the coolest way to say the F word that's not the F word? It's uh, definitely not bleep.
2: Freak, freaking.
1: Frickin, oh freaking?
2: frickin'? frickin or fricking fricking oh what frickin. the
1: frick with the frick fricking gives me like sort of like a white boat dad uh uh-huh. Christian you with know vibes frick. like boomer vibe, but like or, frick
2: our front door what the mm. front door
1: like I say up. effing front effing door. is the only way like effing plus I like f's you know yeah, francesca effing. francesca fuck last name um no, okay, so that was the president's reaction, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me or cucking litting or what is it trucking oh, sh- oh shit
2: are you fucking kidding me
1: oh shit yeah oh shit are you fucking are you trucking me? litting me yeah oh spit. um oh spit are you trucking litting me and mm-hmm. then what happened okay did they go into you know sort of emergency mode uh no actually um on sunday The 27th of September, the first day between the tests and the debate, Meadows said Trump did little except play golf in Virginia and stage an event for military families at which he, quote, spoke of the value of sacrifice. So sounds like he did a lot. Um, What else? In his book, Meadows does not mention that Trump also held a press conference indoors in the White House briefing room. And then on Monday, December September 28th, Trump staged an event in which he talked about to business leaders and looked inside of a cab of a new truck. He also held a Rose Garden press conference, quote, on the work we had all been doing to combat COVID-19. So he was doing a lot of shit. He Okay, so he test positive on the 26th. In the 27th, he has this indoor press conference. Indoor reception for gold star families. Indoors. Oh. With the po- positive test. What's,
2: what's a gold star family?
1: That's like... A very valiant family.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: That's like the vet, but valiant vet.
2: Ah, uh, I got you. I got you.
1: The extra valor. It's like I'm not sure if it's because you were killed or you killed more people, but it means something to some people sometimes.
2: All right. I got you. Because when I heard that, on I was like, wow, that's gold star family. <laughs>
1: is it mean like you've never, is it like gold star lesbian where like you've never had a family? Yeah, you know?
2: that's what I that's what my first thought was, but like, because <laughs> all good gold stars when you, like, I was like, is Trump so juvenile that that's, he just gives people like those old school gold stars? and
1: You're, my, you're not Ivanka, but you're like a gold star family to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, so he, then he had a, an event about COVID testing in indoors, and then an uh-huh. indoor debate prep. This is this is like it's like a very hungry caterpillar but like you know all the people that trump coughed on like that's what happened yeah. on these days mm-hmm. these three days before the debate with a 77 year old joe biden um once again they said they were going to be testing but no actually trump didn't get tested before that debate instead the host chris wallace of fox news news later admitted trump was not tested before the debate because he arrived late and organizers wallace said relied on the honor, honor system.
2: system. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I yeah, just, you know, like- yeah, it's
2: it's just crazy because for me, I feel like he he's able to do those things. And that's where like some privilege comes in. We're like, Barack Obama had to be perfect. Right. And he wasn't, but he had to be like if Barack Obama had the resume of Donald Trump. He wouldn't be president of the United States. And Trump is allowed to make all kinds of mistakes and do all kinds of things. Like, they should have just been like, no, but they allowed him to do that.
1: Yeah. No, I, I have long thought, and I uh, history may prove me wrong, but I've long thought that, like, the Trump administration is, like, the ring in Lord of the Ring of, of like, white male, like, rich privilege. You know, it's like all the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy is in his one presidency and you have to destroy it and like you know drop it in the lava and then it'll you know what i mean the spell is broken or something yeah i don't i mean
2: because I mean, be, most of the times it, they try to act like that's not the thing well, where he he linked into it so if you look at like presidents the last what five or six you look at ronald reagan was the worst to me like he mm. did he did more to destroy the black community than almost in people that own slaves uh <laughs> just with like bringing crack and like using drugs to fund whatever he wanted to do.
1: Death squads in Central America. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And it's not even new. And, like, I think it's just the accessibility to the president and, like, how we knew him prior with, like, the reality and, like, people related to him. Even though he – most of the people that supported him, he hates those people. Yeah. Which is crazy to me how they support him. 100%.
1: 100%. He actually blamed him getting COVID. This is Trump get blamed getting COVID on all of his fans. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, they, they cough everywhere. They coughed on me. He even blamed the Gold Star families. Again, mm-hmm. military families uh, whose children died um, are like, oh, no, no. It was, uh, yeah, the the lazy vets families who, oh. who got me sick. No, no, no. So he continues to do this debate. He's been tested. Now, Mark Meadows, in his, his defense in all this, and he's trying to play it both ways. Uh-huh. Let's see how. Is no, 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 no. He's not trying to reveal anything about the president or burn the president. In fact, because they continued to take other tests that showed he was negative, uh-huh. that he's saying, no, we like we, we did everything right. You know, we like, I'm just, this is just a little tidbit. I'm not using this to sell books with, you know, libs who watch CNN. Like that's, of course you are buddy, but no, he's saying he's not. So let me show you a little clip from him. This is from Newsmax, him swearing that just like Trump, who said that this story is fake news, that it is fake news.
3: Mark
0: Meadows, the author of the chief's chief joins us now to talk more about that. You've been a, a popular guy in the last, uh, week or so. Mark, it's good to see you. Um, I want to start off with the COVID story. The media is going nuts with the story. Uh, I believe the president says it's fake news. What, what is the story here?
2: Well, the, the president's right. It's fake news. Uh, if, you, if, if you actually read the, the book, Uh, The context of it, uh, that story outlined a false positive, Uh, literally had had a test, had uh, two other tests after that that showed that uh, he didn't have covid during the debate. uh, And yet, uh, you know, the way that the media wants to spin it uh, is is certainly to be as negative about Donald Trump as they possibly can uh, while giving Joe Biden a pass.
0: Sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. You want to make book sales. You know that is a juicy nugget. And let me just let, let me just explain what Mark Meadows actually did after he got that positive test. Um, he took, okay, so Trump was like, we're basically ignoring this. So Meadows says Trump took that call as a, quote, full permission to press on as if nothing happened. I believe this was his negative test after he tested positive. His chief of staff, meaning Meadows himself, however, instructed Everyone in his immediate circle to treat him as if he was positive throughout a Pennsylvania trip. Quote, I didn't want to take unnecessary risks, Meadows writes, but I also didn't want to alarm the public if there was nothing to worry about, which according to the new, mu- new much more accurate test, there was not. Okay, so he's saying, yeah, yeah, no, no, it was fine, but even though I did all the protocols and I totally treated him as if he was sick. No, yeah, exactly. Whoa. You you behaved as if he was sick because he tested positive cuz he was
2: sick <laughs> cuz he
1: was sick now let's talk about those other tests what were those tests so they they ran the same test hang on they ran the same test that they oh. took that gave him that positive through Uh-oh. a different system they didn't do a new swab same swab through what was called the binax binax now test and there were specific reasons to be wary of trump's negative result trump and meadows were in a hurry on a flight to Pennsylvania and the Binax now instruction sheet warned that quote, false negative results can occur if the test results are read before 15 minutes. An article in nature published in September 16, 2020 had cautioned that because such speedy antigen tests need robust virus samples quote, to produce a positive result, the test might give a false negative result. So a CDC would later find that Binax now t- test failed to detect COVID infections in nearly two of every three asymptomatic car- carriers. Mm, that part your yeah. test didn't work, your test didn't work. you fucking showed up, flaunted all the regulations, potentially- I mean, like we all knew right because
2: uh-huh.
1: he, th- days later when he announced that he was sick that later that day he went to the hospital, like i didn't in what case did Covid ramp up that fast?
2: Uh-huh,
1: it doesn't ramp up that fast,
2: yeah, and then that was another thing where like. He was just talking about, like, I, I'll beat it. I took this. I took this. But as soon as he got got it and was sick, he went – they, they like, flew him in a helicopter to the – to Walter Reed, and he got the best treatments because he is the president of the United States. Exactly. Um, you know.
1: Yes, and – and the Gold Star families are, yes, a family member of a fallen service member who died while serving in a time of conflict. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, totally right safe on. to blame them for getting you sick. No, no, very, very cool. Um, Yeah, but there's going to be no ramifications. And the last thing I want to no. say on this is, is not from me, but is from the current president. So what does Joe Biden have to say? He's, after all, the person who was put at risk for getting COVID in addition to Chris Wallace, but Chris Wallace is mostly made of wax in harvard um uh-huh. and so 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 what did what did biden say in response to this news that he potentially was exposed to the virus through the president at this debate let's look trump
0: tested positive for covid <coughs> three days before your first debate do you think the former president put you at risk
1: i don't think about the former president Mr. Slowly do the walk away.
2: Yeah, he's clueless, man. Uh, Jesus, I, I, I hate that. Like Trump was so bad that we had to pick Joe Biden. That was that is that is <laughs> the that is the the comedy of errors, right there. Um, uh, yeah, because I, I tell people like American picking the president, like no other job in your life. Like if you had an eighty-year-old server, you'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, why aren't they retired? But you're going to, you know, and I know it's ageism, but like, as you get older, you start to lose certain things, you know, and I just, I don't know, 80 year old person. So.
1: No, it is interesting though. we've all sort of seen the two sides of uh mm-hmm. yes, an octogenarian, a septogenarian, let's be mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, the, the the racist angry, i.e. Trump, and or the sort of like, yeah, the, you know, like out to lunch but sweet gramps wants to smell your hair etc and like we all know which one we would choose who has a very
2: racist past as well
1: (laughs) who's made lots of excuses for busing and you know things like this uh you know but but like we all know who we would choose but that's exactly where we have been in this last year's up against a wall having to decide you know how we want to die um yeah i was like
2: it's like it's like it's like telling somebody like, all right, you can shit your pants or you can have diarrhea in your pants.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I want something solid in my pants. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> is it, funnily enough, I think both of those men probably wear depends. Exactly. Um,
2: it depends. Show on, us on, the undies. On the day.
1: Look. Okay. Here's my thing. And um, we got to move on. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks about Trump every single fucking day because he was a train wreck neo-fascist who nearly ruined our country and led an insurrection against it on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Every goddamn day we think about it. At some point you're like, <gasps> you know, you have like that moment, you know, the heart seizure and you're like, uh, wake up in the middle of the night. Like at least I do, you know, maybe less now, but, and you You're not thinking about him. You're not thinking about this fucking mess. You don't realize that you owe your entire your presidency to the fact that the guy before you was so fucking bad. You're not gonna try like that. Scares me that you're not thinking about him. And then not only that, you don't have a comeback. You don't you can't hit back at that. Someone hands you on a platter a political, like a way to score some good political points, not just for bullshit, but for real good political points. And you can say nothing.
2: Because you don't have that, he doesn't have that 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 ability to be you know to impromptu some some things because everything has to be so well calculated for him so i'm pretty sure they said if you if they ask you about trump just just leave just say you're not going to talk about it
1: (laughs) as slowly as you possibly can and then turn away joe
2: turn away joe
1: no but and that's the thing is like if they're putting a leash on him i'm mad like if his handlers are putting a leash on biden Fuck That let him go. Let him be mad. I'll be the cranky. We need uh, cranky is better than complacent. Um, we have to move on. We're so late uh-huh. because another thing happened this week. Um, also, uh, this was the week where Representative Lauren Boebert stole the cray crown back from Congressional Trash Queen Marjorie Green. Oh yeah. Video emerged of Boebert doing bad edge lord open mic material, and in it. She says that she was in an elevator with Representative Ilhan Omar, but that she wasn't worried because Omar didn't have a backpack on, insinuating that Omar was a terrorist. Uh And that was so funny. Oh, my God. And she's there and she's in her little heels and she's (laughs) obviously, you guys, a backpack implies she's carrying a book. Right, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know, that she's studying and she's reading and like, that's obviously what scares the right. No, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Bomb. <laughs> um, you know, and it's just so funny, right? Because it's coming from a woman who literally gave tours to Capitol rioters days before January 6th, who met multiple times. All the rioters are out are like they're like, you know, they're singing like canaries are telling everything. And what have oh, yeah, we met with Representative Boebert's people. Oh, yeah, we were totally in communication with them. And yet she's calling Ilhan Omar a terrorist. Um, Obviously, it's stupid. It was a bad joke. It was a racist joke. And yet it has ramifications. So this is Ilhan Omar explaining that she's received a lot of hateful messages, more than usual. Um, And here she is reading one of those messages
3: that happened uh, in the wake of Lauren Boebert's comments. For those of you who did not hear it very well, let me read you what the voicemail says. We see you, sand and word bitch. We know what you are up to. You are all about taking over our country. Don't worry. There is plenty that would love the opportunity to take you off the face of this effing earth. Come get it. But you are effing Muslim piece of shit. You are jihadist. We know what you are. You are effing traitor, and you will not live any longer. Condemning this should not be a partisan issue. This is about our basic humanity and fundamental rights of religious freedom enshrined in our Constitution.
1: So that was her response to all this, uh, which is like, you know, having some poise and also and yet making herself incredibly vulnerable. She mm-hmm. plays the voicemail of a dude just being like, you're not going to live for much. I will be. And then he starts going off. This is my favorite part of that stupid ass voicemail. She, he's like, "There's going to be a military tribunal. Motherfucker, you don't even know what a military tribunal is. You have no idea what you're talking about. You read it on some... QAnon blog. QAnon blog, yeah. Yeah, stop with this military tribunal shit. Um, Now, of course, the big thing is like Ilhan Omar, we're talking about a representative, a woman who's been accused herself of doing things like anti-Semitic remarks. Because she's criticized Israel and said something like, it's all about the Benjamins. Now, what happened? Nancy Pelosi calls a hearing. Oh, my God. Everything's anti-Semitism. We got to do a special commission because she said all about the Benjamins and it's the money. and, And you're like, whoa, what? Meanwhile, what is the leader of the House or the minority leader of the House, Kevin McCarthy, doing about this? Nothing. He called no fucking commission. He didn't talk. He didn't ask Lauren Bobert to apologize publicly or anything. In fact, he's saying that she already did apologize, and what has happened is actually no apology. So Bobert has called Ilhan Omar's office. Uh, apparently, that call didn't go well, and she doubled down on what she was saying. Bo- Bobert basically doubled down on like, "I'm not going to publicly apologize after Ilhan Omar asked for an apology." And it be- it seems like Omar hung up on Bobert, which fucking good for her. Here's what uh, Kevin McCarthy is saying, and this is an interview with Ilhan Omar and uh, Jake Tapper on CNN.
0: Uh-huh. So Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has still not publicly condemned Bobert's uh, comments. On Friday, he was asked, why not? Take a listen to what he said. She apologized publicly.
2: She apologized personally. She wanted to meet personally. Denied the ability to meet personally. Well, she picked up the phone and she called Congresswoman Omar. She said, I want to personally apologize to you. And that's
0: what she did. Now, to be clear, after her conversation with you, Boebert went on social media and doubled down and said things that were equally incendiary. Um, yeah, what, mean, what, What's your reaction to McCarthy and how he described it?
3: Yeah, McCarthy is a liar and a coward. He doesn't have the ability um, to condemn. Uh, the kind of bigoted Islamophobia and anti-Muslim rhetoric that are uh, being trafficked by a member of Why doesn't his he conference. have the ability to do that? Um, because this is, this is who they are. Uh, and we have to be able to stand up to them. Uh, and we have to push them to reckon with the fact that their party uh, right now is normalizing uh, anti-Muslim bigotry. Mm. Oh. 100%.
1: Um, Mateen, I see you're you're looking. He's I think he's looking off at his kid. Maybe. Oh, uh-huh. damn! I I feel like I need a little baby after I hear.
2: Yeah. BS, it,
1: like Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy um, he
2: needs to get his, his punch. You need to get a punch in the face. And I, here's the thing with 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 America and like with people like Bobart. Like she's able to do that because people that look like her. There's no consequences. There's no consequences for their actions. They have no accountability. So they're, they're just, they are they're just do what they want to do and just say what they want to say and be like, oh, well, I didn't know. And other people that look like Omar, we, we, are not, we aren't given that opportunity to fuck up. Because mm. once we do, it's like, oh, no, you're the worst kind of person. Uh, we don't get second chances. Uh, we, and and that's, the, that's the thing. There's, there's no accountability because then Bobart wants to play the victim like well it was just a joke i didn't know and that mm-hmm. is the worst kind of person
1: mm-hmm. because
2: she knew exactly what she was doing that that was racist it was it was it was it, like you can't talk about any religion
1: mm-hmm. but you
2: could talk about muslim people and that's right. in america because because certain muslim groups hate america and they did certain things. Like they just, all it takes is one time for somebody to do something, and then like every Muslim person is the worst kind of person. Right. And and my name is Muslim. Mateen is a Muslim name, and I'm I'm I have no religious association. But I've never I've traveled to the the world, and anytime I met a Muslim person, and they 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 see my name, they treat me like a brother. Like treat me like family. I haven't had that happen with any other religious group. But if they like, oh yeah, they treat me like family, um, and that's it's just such a a disgrace to mm-hmm. to Muslim people that that you're they're automatically associated with terrorism just because oh yeah. a few Muslims did some things. That's it.
1: No, I, I think that's a really good point. Just like the lay, the amount of leeway that we automatically give and the political system assigns. If you're white, if you're Christian, mm-hmm. it's way greater than anybody else. And Ilhan Omar can make a random ass comment talking about, like I was saying before, like the Israeli lobby says, it's all about the Benjamins. And suddenly she's, you know, she has, she's on the ropes Mm -hmm. And her own party is throwing her under the bus. Meanwhile, Bobert can make a totally – like a joke that she knows exactly, obviously, what it means. Like there's no – how do you come back from that? How do you like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I – was that offensive? Yeah. Oh, God. Weird how you guys are all like sensitive about that. How I said, you know, because of your religion, you automatically have a bomb. Oh, my my God. Just like – it's amazing that you can you can just pull that. Of course, she's not going to accept an apology, and it sounds like the apology was really shitty. Because look, I think Ilhan Omar wants to wants to make an example out of Boebert in in a good way. Meaning, if Boebert was coming in good faith, she had a statement written. If she was using this as an opportunity to actually talk about like anti Muslim hate, I think Ilhan Omar would take that opportunity. I don't think she is is stubborn and would be against that. But fucking, that's exactly—that's not what this is. Because Bobert keeps on running her mouth; she keeps on tweeting about it; she keeps on doubling down. Because, like Ilhan Omar said, that's the base. The base likes this. But I totally agree with you. The last thing I say is, what a beautiful example to have a Muslim Congresswoman, two Muslim Congresspeople, say, "Look, I swore in on the Quran. Why? Because in this country we have religious freedom. Uh-huh. I, like, if you believe in religious freedom." You fucking better defend my religion. Exactly. Oh, don't. Oh, it's just it's just religious freedom for Chick Fil A to you Uh know keep on supporting homophobic causes. Okay, okay. Like so, it's anyway. um, All power to to Ilhan Omar. Sending her a lot of love. Uh, This shit is gonna keep going. And honestly, like, I hope that there is more security and support for some, li- someone like representative ilhan omar because because i don't i don't imagine that uh like anything's possible i feel like yeah i am i am afraid for her anything life.
2: anything's possible these fools fucking stormed the fucking capital and be like it's our freedom no that's fucking trees they should have like I, I get so worked up about that that yes. i don't even i don't try to think about it. because it's but i'm not <laughs> surprised i'm never surprised no never i'm never surprised
0: all
1: right, we got to move on because we have to get to our wonderful guest who is a dear friend and um just super happy that she could join us. She is a writer and a web editor at In These Times whose work has also been featured at the American Prospect, Jacobin and The Intercept. Please welcome Sarah Lazar.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
1: Oh my gosh. So thank you for being here yeah, so much. Pleasure. I could speak. Um, Sarah, you're a wonderful writer, thinker, uh, former activist. Um, you have been writing a lot recently about like this concept of vaccine apartheid. Um, Do you want to just explain for folks who maybe don't know what that means? I think we all kind of know what that means. But when people hear that, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the most important questions of our time. So vaccine apartheid refers to the incredibly unequal global distribution of who gets vaccines and who doesn't. So um, in the entire continent of Africa, roughly 10% of people on average have had the vaccine that compares with 64% of North America. Um, this is not accidental. This is not some inevitable force of nature. This is a result of global systems that were in large part set up to protect the profits of pharmaceutical companies and set up by those companies. So um, in October, 2020, uh, South Africa and India brought forward a proposal to the world trade organization, arguing that Mm. we should temporarily suspend patent rules to enable access to cheaper generic versions of vaccines. Um, That's a very modest proposal. Um, I think that there's a good case for given how horrible companies have been to Expropriate them, you know, t- take take them over, redistribute what they have um, forcibly. Um, but this was just calling for a temporary suspension of patent rules that were actually set up in the WTO in the mid nineties, um, with Pfizer playing a huge role in lobbying for the protection of patents.
1: Um, that- and they asked for that wave. That they asked for that in March of this year.
0: Oh, they asked so for that when in the vac- in October 2020 was when the proposal was first put forward.
1: Oh, okay. So even earlier than the vaccine rollout started. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they, they saw what was coming and rightfully predicted that the vaccine would be very unequally distributed. Um, also, South Africa and India have huge pharmaceutical sectors and have the domestic ability to produce mRNA vaccines, you know, the kinds of vaccine that Pfizer is putting out, for example, Um, So that proposal was put forward in October 2020. It had the support of more than 100 countries, or it now has the support of more than 100 countries, um, major human rights organizations. It's a total no-brainer. And yet it has stalled out. Um, There is no progress, or very little progress, rather. Um, The European Union is playing probably the biggest role in blocking it. Um, Mm -hmm. Also the United Kingdom and then the Biden administration is doing something really sneaky where it is saying that it supports a patent waiver of some kind, but it's being very unspecific and vague and not clarifying whether it supports the specific patent waiver put forward by India and South Africa. And mm. if it doesn't support that waiver, then what, what is it requesting? What changes does it want? All this is very unclear. Um, in effect, what that is doing is blocking progress. When, in fact, the Biden administration, if it really believes in a patent waiver, should support the proposal as is. It's the only proposal on the table that actually calls for a suspension of patent rules. And it should also um, be forcing the EU, for example, to stop blocking progress.
1: Okay. well, let's talk about Biden in a second. You said a lot there, but I want to understand in this entire time since the vaccine rollout, Pfizer, Moderna, J and J. There's not been movement. There has not been any access to those patents, those mRNA patents. I know J and J is not mRNA, but but in this entire year, there's not been movement.
0: Yeah. So um, the there you're right. There has been no movement in suspending patent rules under the TRIPS agreement. So the TRIPS agreement is a WTO agreement that says that basically protects pharmaceutical monopolies with some limited exceptions. And um, so in May of this year, the mm-hmm. Biden administration made a big announcement saying that it was going to reverse the Trump administration's policy of blocking that proposal. And it was a, mm-hmm. a big announcement. It grabbed headlines. The headlines, you know, were to the tune of Biden supports the patent waiver. And a lot of activists who work really hard on that issue and hadn't seen a lot of progress were very hopeful and very excited. And they, they said that was progress. Um, mm-hmm. But in actuality, um, there's been a really big gulf between what the Biden administration has been saying on the political level and then what it's actually been doing behind closed doors at the Trips council meetings, most of which are um, closed off to journalists and closed off to the public. But um, when you know there are, there are reports from anonymous um, trade diplomats, and there I I recently got my hands on um, just a write up of the proceedings from Geneva trade diplomats, and if you look at the actual write up. Um, at the At the most recent one, after the Omicron variant was already scaring people around the world, and after the Biden administration recently on I think november twenty sixth got headlines for saying that he was going to double down on supporting patent waivers at the very next trips Council meeting after that, um, all he, all the Biden administration did was refer back to the previous comments that it had made publicly, and that's not how progress at the WTO actually works the way you know, the U.S. is very powerful, the WTO. And if it wants something to happen, it can make it happen. And when you talk to activists who are working on this issue, people from Third World Network, people from groups like Public Citizens Access to Medicines Program, they will tell you that they are so incredibly frustrated and that they feel like the Biden administration is foot dragging and not genuinely going to bat for this issue. So, so right. I guess so to answer your question, there was some hope that there had been progress. Um, in May, with the announcement, but it looks like um, the cheerleading that happened might have been a tad premature.
1: Insane. I mean, and and I think the one thing I'm still getting my head around is that the WTO, the World Trade Organization, not the World Health Organization. Here's here's my family coming in. Um, <laughs> that they're the ones who are making this call versus versus health organized, like that it's more an issue of trade. Than it is about health. The World Health Organization's been asking for patent waivers to be dropped, or f- for patent waivers since the beginning um, of of the vaccine development. Um, and yet, when it comes to a global pandemic, we're not we're looking at the money side, one hundred percent on this.
2: Yeah. How much money do we really need? Like, how much money do you like? I like like people are so greedy.
1: You got to pay rent in hell. What the fuck, man? You can't take no. it with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, exactly. And so, so, right. So that's where we go to the World Trade Organization. So you're basically saying Biden's like, yeah, we want in theory to waive the patents. Anyway, we said that a few months ago. Doopy doo. It'll happen. Maybe. Right. I don't care. Like, so right. it's just, it's all in, it's all talk and they're not actually putting pressure on anybody. Um, can you talk about why that is and what the arrangement has been? between some of these big pharma companies and not just Biden, but the former administration as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, you know, going, so when I look at sort of why this is and why this global system exists, um, one of the things that I always think about was the global justice movement of the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, the people who shut down the world trade organization in Seattle in 1999
3: (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And
0: how prescient that movement was, because, you know, we talk about um, patents and intellectual property as though they're so-called like natural, just the natural state of things and natural order. You know, things like piracy are bad. We just know that they're bad. Um, But in reality, before the TRIPS agreement in the late 90s, um, there wasn't one set agreed upon rule of what intellectual property rules even are. And the creation of the world order as it currently exists is relatively recent. And what the TRIPS Agreement essentially did was press the entire world to conform to the U.S. understanding of what what intellectual property rules are. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it wasn't some, like, organic, happy, harmonious process. It was largely the product of pharmaceutical companies Whose profits depend on protecting intellectual properties, doing incredible lobbying, not just in the U.S. but also across Europe, also in places like Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just that's just the baseline. The baseline is this idea that pharmaceutical monopolies matter more than people's lives. Um, that has wreaked havoc, you know. That- and they're writing
1: international trade law. Lo- they've been writing international trade laws, and let's like kind of, I mean. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things and or access to affordable medicine.
0: Um,
2: yeah. Cause of greed. It's all greed. It's,
0: yeah. And, you know, think about what was happening in the mid nineties um, when the trade, when the trips council, um, sorry, the trips agreement was established, you know, that was like during a really bad stretch of the global AIDS pandemic, HIV AIDS pandemic. Right. Um, and, So I think a lot of people who are paying attention to how those intellectual property rules affected access to HIV and AIDS medications and treatments were really concerned that something similar and horrible would play out when it came to the pandemic. And, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is very powerful. It has huge lobbying arms. It's a huge funder of both Democrats and Republicans the pharmaceutical industry doesn't hide its lobbying it's very forthright like you can look at the press releases put out by you know uh, like trade organizations that represent pfizer um and companies like that and they're just very explicit they say things like we need to protect intellectual property um so one of their biggest arguments actually has been um a TRIPS waiver won't even matter anyways because the global South doesn't have the ability to produce mRNA vaccines. So it's totally a move. Oh, to and And that, that is a very racist argument. It's basically saying like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not sophisticated enough. Just rely on your former colonizers. We've got this covered. You don't have the ability to do it. However, um, that's actually totally false. Um, there are plenty of places, Indonesia, South Africa, India, Thailand, Um, Argentina, there are plenty of global South countries that have facilities that could start producing mRNA vaccines right now. Mm -hmm. There was a big New York Times investigation about that recently. Um, And so, you know, the industry is both doing this outright spin and then is also creating a climate of fear and intimidation. Um, There are a lot of Latin American countries like Colombia, for example, where there's a ton of fear that if they move too quickly or too strongly to support the TRIPS waiver at the WTO or to support mm-hmm. compulsory licensing domestically or even just ask for more transparency, they're afraid that companies will actually withhold supply. Um, there's a lot of fear around that.
1: Withhold supply? Like if they, that they're afraid that if they overturn the TRIPS waiver, that then... pharma pharma companies will be like, okay, well, I guess, oh, we just ran out. Oh, we'd love to help. Well,
0: because the pharmaceutical companies have all the power and there are countries that are desperate and people are dying and global distribution is really unequal. Um, There was actually um, an incident in Colombia relatively recently where an anti-corruption lawyer, this guy, Camilo Enciso, um, he published... um, Some of the country, Colombia's contracts with pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. companies um, just published a contract. That's it. And Mm -hmm. there was like a government meltdown and there were all of these officials, um, high up officials all the way to the president who said that they were concerned that just that act of, quote, unauthorized disclosure of a contract might lead to horrible ramifications, the implication being that supply might be withheld. And, you know, it's not even if that's not actually going to happen, just the idea that that level of intimidation exists shows the extent to which pharmaceutical companies have the upper hand. And these are companies who, by definition, by law, are only accountable to their shareholders. They're not allowed legally to be accountable to anyone else. Yet they have the lives of people all over the world in their hands.
1: I mean, it is interesting and important to, you know, I, I there's part of me that's like, yeah, of course, Biden. You know, he's probably got you know pharma f- executives, you know, and former pharma executives in his cabinet, which I think he might. Um, I can't remember all the all the all of them, but it is so easy to rely on, like, oh, the WTO and the TRIPS wave. I mean, the TRIPS uh, clause or whatever. Guess we can't. Mm, we should, but we can't. And it sort of c- provides this cover um, for keeping pharma happy and making sure you can still fundraise off of them. As we know, there's like whatever some what's what's the ratio of like pharma lobbyists to Congress people? It's like 30 to one or something floating around D.C. or something disgusting like that.
0: I don't know the exact number, but it's pretty bad.
1: It, it's some <laughs> it's something silly. But so I wanted to I wanted to show because, Sarah, you're mentioning how many other countries can produce vaccines. This is from, you know, very big lefty New York Times uh, reporting, and they basically did an independent independent investigation into different pharmaceutical um, uh, manufacturing capabilities around the world, and exactly all the countries that you're mentioning: Indonesia, Argentina, Brazil, South Africa, India, and naming the exact companies that could produce mRNA vaccines. Um, if only there was a patent lift. And okay, so let's talk about the omic Omicron. Omicron. Have we Omicron? Uh, the variant. And what do you understand? Or is there any link between the number of variants, the new variants and a lack of vaccine access? This might be very, a very obvious yes or no. But so, what what should we understand about that?
0: So at the um, trips council meeting that happened last week, um, delegates, I think it, it was the South African delegate who basically said, um, we told you this was going to happen. We told you that if the entire world isn't vaccinated, the virus is going to spread uncontrolled. And we know that when it it replicates uncontrolled, this leads to new variants. And we told you this was going to happen. And they have been warning about it for a long time, well before this new variant. It was one of the major justifications for why we need it in the first place. Because, you know, The U.S. and a lot of Western wealthy nations, they have this idea that we can just protect our own population and to hell with everyone else. Um, That should be condemned on its own terms because it's wildly racist and dehumanizing and horrific. And also, it's just not even true. This really is an example of how we are all interconnected. And, you know, a lot of activists who work on this issue say that no one is safe until everyone's safe. And that really is true.
1: Yes. One hundred percent. Um, I, 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 don't know. And Mateen, maybe you feel free to jump in. I know you've got your adorable gurgling child in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, (laughs) you know, it's so cute. Um, but you know, we're we're in a moment where Biden is encouraging people to get their third shot, right? And and the booster, and I guess you know the efficacy fades. Um. You know, and this is where my little like, you know, anti big pharma tentacle goes, like, is it true? Are you lying to us? You know, what do you mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, do I really need a third shot? Um, you know, and I'm super pro vaccine. Uh I wish that for the fucking money this government has invested in it that we could actually run a little bit more of the show instead of being run roughshod over by uh-huh. these companies. Um But yeah, maybe a little bit on that, like what political, what political, um, let me ask you about the politics later, but first, do you feel like it's a little, how, do you feel a certain way about this booster at a time when people
0: haven't been even accessed their first shot yet? There's a lot of resentment and concern that the priority isn't first getting full vaccinations to people in the global South, given the tremendous disparities. Um that has been mm-hmm. a concern expressed by bodies like the World Health Organization it's not a very fringe or marginal position to have and it just really shows the incredible disparities and inequality it's just pretty tremendous you know there are places where the vast vast majority of people have haven't, haven't been vaccinated and if you know well, you I'm can not. just look at a map of that overlaid with histories of Colonialism and pillaging, and it's like a one punch.
2: Um, it's just a different. It's a. It's this. It's this medium that's changing. It's the same thing that's been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years, and and that's what pisses me off the most about people in America who have access to the vaccine, who can get this vaccine safely, and who who makes a choice not to do it and grandstand where it can save lives. And I had a friend that was stuck in Vietnam, and they. They, there's people in Vietnam who would kill to be able to get the vaccine. There's people in South Africa that would kill to get the vaccine.
0: Yeah, and here we are.
2: We, we can go to a kiosk in a, in, a, in a drugstore and get it. And there's still people in this country that's like, my freedom, my freedom. And we're so selfish. We're so selfish because it's always my, 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 and not yeah. what we can do. And and pharma, big pharma, like, there shouldn't be patents when it comes to something that is globally affecting everyone. Yep. You should be able to just give it out to everybody. Like, how much money do you need?
1: Seriously. Yeah. And and the vaccine, the vaccine, uh, sorry, the, the travel bans are so fucking stupid mm-hmm. and, and racist and like as is, like just just on the face of it. But even if you agreed with some of the travel bans, they don't ban American citizens returning from travel. Meaning yeah. They're just like, no, 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 <laughs> it's which, which makes no sense. Anyone can transmit the virus. The same thing mm-hmm. with the China travel ban. You know, it was like Trump was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing such a great job banning travel from China. Motherfucker, citizens could still come back to and from. You weren't banning anything. You weren't helping or saving anyone. It was just um,
2: people from those countries. You
1: were being extra racist about it. You were being extra xenophobic about it for no actual benefit to anyone um anyway we're, we're long gone beyond that so um yeah you know
0: the the u.s uh the european union they're much better at building fortresses than they are at just embracing policies that are rooted in concepts of radical equality you know the idea that everyone's equal regardless of where they happen to have been born
1: um, yeah. And not even that, but I, I was curious as to your thoughts on, you know, politically, some of the ways that like China and Russia who have rolled out not as good of a vaccine, but their own version, Sinopharm or Sinoflex, I forgot what it's called, um, and the Sputnik vaccine. And they're rolling it out, you know, some in some in great measure, like a lot of them, some sort of a, a symbolic thing, but to a lot of countries in the global south. Um and offering it up and offering up those patents and it's a it's very much a way to exert some amount of soft power politically the united states does not see that though the united, you yeah. know like
0: we don't there's, there's a, not, no benefit to, with with there China,
2: especially in africa
0: the pharmaceutical industry and some lawmakers have this totally bananas line which is One of the reasons that we can't support the sharing of vaccine recipes is that it's a trade secret and it'll give China an edge. And we can't have that happen, Um, (laughs) which is such a really ugly intersection of sort of U.S. militarism and belligerence um, and just protecting pharmaceutical monopolies. And it's something that unfortunately has a lot of momentum politically in Washington Mm -hmm. at a time when there's pretty bipartisan support for greater confrontational stance towards China. Um, And so, you know, we, so there's that stance. And then there's a lot of law enforcement concerns about so-called piracy and, you know, China, Russia, even Iran, like might try to steal information related to vaccine research. And it's like, like, I don't know. Actually, I would love it if anyone and everyone could steal that information yes. and make it. And make if you can better. hack that
1: shit, please.
2: It sounds like a great movie. Hack
1: it. <laughs> it sounds like a great movie. Yeah,
2: trying to get the vaccine recipe, like the KFC recipe.
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you, if know- you can steal these codes, steal them. I mean, they, yeah, they're treating them with, yes, like they're nuclear codes or their nuclear warheads.
2: They're saving people's lives and- in- We don't care. We don't care about anybody else, but our, but ourselves. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And because of that mentality, we don't even have the best possible vaccine. Like imagine if researchers from Moderna and Pfizer were sitting together comparing notes and being like, Oh, Hey, what if we combine this good attribute of our vaccine with good, this good attribute of yours so that it's like maximally easy to store and ship and this, that, and the other, you know, like it's, it even prevents us from reaching the pinnacle of what humanity could accomplish. And these vaccines are produced with public money, you know, depending on the company from the U.S., from Germany. It's like it's just totally bananas. It's just such a profound injustice. It's,
2: it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins. Yeah, it's
1: anti Semitic. No, yeah. And, and, and like, it's very funny though, because, you know, hardcore capitalists will be like, well, it's all about competition. I mean, competition is what gets you the best product possible. Bullshit. Look at, look at this right slapped in front of us. Look at the way that capitalism is fucking up saving the world right now. Because it isn't about competition. It isn't about holding out. Oh yeah. Well, you know, if you don't want to die, you'll just choose the best vaccine. <laughs> it's simple. It's a power of choice under capitalism. Fuck you. Look at how it's all fallen apart. I'm sorry. I'm very mad. Oh, but, and yeah. yeah, keep going.
0: Oh well it's it's totally it's totally outrageous. And that line, um, so a lot of pharmaceutical companies and a lot of industry trade groups have used this line. That's like, well, hey, if you take away our intellectual property protections now, um, we won't invest the way that we did for this vaccine to create the next innovation. And when you just really think that through, that's just such a nasty threat that's using like all of humanity as ho- or holding all of humanity hostage. But it's not just about yes. the pharmaceutical industry either. I mean, there are a lot of wealthy individuals and a lot of companies in this country who's Current and future profits depend on intellectual property protections, you know, countries like Apple, or sorry, Apple kind of is a country, but what I meant to say is companies <laughs> like Apple, um, Yes. you know, that where their entire profit model is based on intellectual property protection. So it's really far bigger than the pharmaceutical industry, too.
1: Totally. Um, last question before we move on to our final segment quickly. It, it, what could we be doing differently? I mean, I briefly said, you know, look for the amount of public investment in the vaccine and its rollout. Um, shouldn't we be getting more bang for our buck, so to speak? Shouldn't we ha- be able to make some demands on these companies? What could we be doing?
0: So there, there's so much we can be doing. The really depressing thing about the conversation with the TRIPS waiver is that the TRIPS waiver should be the bare minimum. I mean, that's just like the political equivalent of removing your boot from someone's neck. Um, ideally, it would go so much further, right? Like ideally, there would be global wealth redistribution for the purposes of getting the vaccine to as many people as possible. You know, wealth redistribution, resource redistribution. Um The United States and other wealthy countries have made huge promises on, well, okay, not huge. They've made promises on vaccine donations that they have not delivered on. You know, there should be some combination of those donations should happen, but also global South countries should be given what they need so that they can produce vaccines themselves. Um, This requires Mm -hmm. uh, vaccine recipes. It requires technical know-how. It requires resources. You know, it, it feels like the last thing companies want to do is to just give global South countries the ability to do it themselves. Every framework is so patronizing, it's so colonial in its mindset. And so we need, we just need a whole lot. And the TRIPS waiver should be the bare minimum. And that's why it's so upsetting that there's been no progress even on that.
1: And you think that progress. if the United States, if the, if the if we could like, you know, if we could stand up or be one of the first countries to stand up to big pharma, it, we could potentially be a leader in that um, yeah. and put some international pressure on the companies.
0: Yeah. So so um, because the U.S. is so powerful, at the WTO, there's a lot that it could do to be pushing countries like the United Kingdom, um, pushing the EU. You know, Germany is sort of the de facto leader of the EU and it's one of the biggest obstacles to a trips waiver when um Angela Merkel visited the United States a few months ago her visit was met with mass protests and with people calling on the Biden administration saying like hey you should really talk to Angela Merkel about the fact that she's blocking the trips waiver proposal and so right you know there like there's a ton the Biden administration could just be talking about this in good faith it could be supporting the proposal as is the biden administration according to everything we know isn't actually supporting the current proposal it just supports a patent waiver of some kind theoretically but it's not even being clear about what exactly that is so we just we need specificity right. we need at bare minimum the biden administration to be clear about what it's fighting for if it says it's going to be fighting for a patent waiver
1: totally all right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for breaking that down. Everybody, please read Sarah's work on at In These Times. Um, she's done just some incredible, incredible reporting and also does incredible reporting on U.S. militarism and has done that for so long. So I know you're going to be back on talking about something else. But but I love the way you just are able to make it like ra- like radical and visionary and that's why you're my friend Aww. and you're <laughs> wonderful. Aww. But we we have one more segment. So can you
0: say, Sarah,
1: quickly? Yeah, of course. okay. Okay. Th- okay, cool. And thank you
0: so much. It's great to talk to you. And yeah.
1: Great. So good. Uh, you're you always you always do incredible work and and like are so clear. Aww, um, thank you. Yay. All right. We have one final segment. We're going long because we, we, it's been too long. Um, obviously, in honor of Spotify and Spotify Wrapped, which is where they basically give you all your metadata back to you in a non-creepy way. And you're like, oh, my God. Um, this is cool. I did listen to that podcast on my birthday. How do you know that? Um, you- <laughs> We're going to do, if America listened to Spotify... What would America's wrapped on Spotify look like? This is America Wrapped. All right. America Wrapped, guys. What do you think? Number one song, top genre, top artist. How many minutes did we spend listening to what? Uh, Mateen,
2: thoughts? I don't know. I just, for me, I just like Beck's Loser just comes up because we've just we just been it's all about losers and being a loser and like losers rioting uh and just over and over again and uh i, I that's i don't know mm-hmm. so many how many minutes five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes that's how long <laughs> we have listened to that song as a collective
1: that's just getting rent stuck in my head yeah, that yeah is- I'm, I'm sorry
2: about that but <laughs> that's every day yeah all
1: right loser i like that i feel like we've done less losing this year maybe we haven't we've lost more american lives this year than last year sad Mm -hmm. reality um even with the vaccine god damn it delta fuck you um and fuck you trump let's see number one song here's what i'm gonna say okay not loser but america this is you uh like the the song for america's funniest home videos this is you you know (laughs) uh all the funny things you do america yeah like that Uh is to me just the song of the year because it's like oh this is you this Uh is you just screaming maskless at a minimum wage worker oh this is you like flying a trump flag and running into protesters like this is you stabbing a capitol police officer with an american flag like that's and it's funny and it's always like and we're very much in a like you know the a karen and kevin's like whip out the phone and film each other so i feel like america's funniest home videos we we just now live in a giant america's funniest home videos that's mm-hmm. that's a song um Sarah, any thoughts for song best song Number one song?
0: Yeah. So um, I agree with the very bleak picture that both of you are painting and also was trying to think of what made 2021 different from 2020 um, because 2020 was also very bleak. And one of the things I kept thinking about was how there were a lot of strikes, labor strikes in October. Some people call it strike-tober. Um, So I looked it up. There are around 43,000 minutes in a month. So I'm going to say that there were 43,000 minutes when America was listening to Valerie June's um, work in women's blues or um, pretty much any Please. labor song sung by Pete Seeger. Uh, which side are you on? No. Solidarity forever. I'm going to oh. go with that. for I love it.
1: Oh, that gives me some hope.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, um. Yeah. The Kellogg's workers, the John Deere workers. You know, sixty thousand Hollywood workers threatening to strike and authorizing yes. a strike—it's really powerful during pretty bleak time.
1: So true. Um, we need more Pete Seeger. We need like the trap version of Pete. Maybe we don't need the trap version of Pete <laughs> Seeger, but we need we need like the modern labor songs. Um, I love that. All right. Okay. I don't know how far you guys can go with this uh, with me on this, but okay. I've got genre artist, and some minutes, but genre for me, top genre America's wrapped is elevator music. Like it's, it's because we've just been waiting for to get like anything done. And we've been waiting for this year to, you know, be over this year has been super fast, but it's also just like, all right, all right, Biden. Like gong gong, it's like a xylophone version of autumn leaves. Like bong bong. I'm like, what's the xylophone? <laughs> bong, bong bong bong. You know, it's very dim. Uh, you kind of want it to like turn off. You can't really concentrate. Um, that to me is like the genre of music of this year. It's just like, when are we gonna do some shit? Um,
2: I I I'd, I'd say uh rap country because it's that's the worst genre of music <laughs> um and yeah it's just it's just shitty man it's just been like even w-
1: even when Lil Nas X came out with a new album
2: uh but he's not even a country artist that's that was a country song and it was shitty like that's just like <laughs> rap country is the worst genre of music so I don't think I've
1: heard enough of it
2: is you, it exactly
1: yeah, I haven't. I just know Lil Nas X's "Old Town Road," and I was like, "Well, that doesn't that fix America with that song?"
2: But I mean, like, like Cowboy Troy, um, like
1: Cowboy Troy. That just I don't even know. I have to listen to it. Just yeah, he listens. He's, listen he's a it.
2: black cowboy that raps. It is the worst shit
1: ever. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, all right, I'm I'm reading some of these. Um I'm looking at a lot of yours. Um Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova is also just very elevator music to me. Um Sarah, any any genres you think
0: were our wrapped? You know, I I think I can't top the ones that you gave. That thinking of the songs is as far as I got. I think it's <laughs> a hard year to wrap my head around.
1: It, it was it, yeah, I want someone to. First of all, obviously, we know our top podcast was Joe Rogan. I wish it was the Bituation Room, y'all. I okay. hope it was your number one podcast. But to be fair, it was just everyone listening to Rogan going like, "It's not that bad." I had COVID and I got all the baby tissue and I'm fine. Uh, I don't know what he sounds like, but is he have a high voice? I don't ever listen, but I feel like no, it's more like that. Like
2: monotone. like yeah, like kind of like
1: that. Okay, okay. Um, and I do think we spent 525,600 minutes listening to, like, American exceptionalism, ASMR. Like, we just, like, a lot of, like, mm-hmm. just just we'll be fine. Everything's good. You're amazing. You've got the vaccine. Back to normal. <laughs> like, red, white, and blue, baby. The funny things you do. Like, that That was, like, our whole year. We were just, like, even, even some of us who I think are more, you know, on the left and liberals and we're, like, we, it's been such a horrible moment that we kind of just keep wanting to move forward and, and be done with both, you know, both the uh, COVID and also Trump. Um, But we're still in the thick of it. We're still in this shit. It's not over. It is not over. Um, But our show is, is over and it is over. And Sarah Lazar, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find your work on the internets and on Twitter?
0: Oh, um, Well, I uh, am an editor and writer for In These Times. We're at InTheseTimes.com. I met Sarah on Twitter. And um, I've been writing for the American Prospect lately and some other outlets as well.
1: Awesome. Uh, Love you and your writing. Um, Okay, I can't say I love you to everybody, but I do. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Take very good care and please come back
0: soon. Yeah, thanks so much, y'all.
1: All right. And Mateen Stewart. Yes. Where can people find you in your work? You can
2: find me uh, anywhere at Mateen Stewart. I'm the only Mateen Stewart in the world. Um, <laughs> please, please check me out on Instagram. And if you do have the time, uh, check out Jamie M. org. It's a charity, uh, the Jamie Whitfield scholarship that I started uh, after we lost my mom in 2020. Uh, and yeah, we're raised, we raised money to give $10,000 a year to a black woman that attends a historical black uh, college or university.
1: Oh my God. I love that. That is such a beautiful way to honor your mom. Yes. Um, Jamie
2: Jamie M Whitfield, J A Y M E M Whitfield.org.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, and I hope you can join me. I know we've run late, but for the bonus episode, if you don't hear Mateen Stewart in the bonus, it's because he's got a child. But hopefully, she's, he can join me to talk. She's about. asleep
2: right now. So oh, yes.
1: yeah. oh, let's squeeze in ten more minutes. Mateen, sit tight. See you very soon. Thanks for joining me, um, and thank you to all of y'all for being here, for listening, for for joining me in 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 the aftermath of uh, my time away. Taking Mateen out. Um. A couple of comments you guys wrote in. Appreciate it. Appreciate all of your thoughts, you guys, like, even if I don't read them all. Um, Trump knew and exposed others attempted murder. That was on Trump lying about his COVID test. On Lauren Boebert, uh, Zena the Egyptian Dragon on YouTube, it sucks how Muslims are treated in America. I tell my parents not to go outside on 9-11 anymore because people have yelled slurs at them before. It has happened pretty much every year. Fuck that. Uh, and And yet, very real. Thank you for sharing that um, Gary Cooper on YouTube yes Bobert is a bad Sarah Palin impression but so is Sarah Palin it's true it feels like it's it's yeah like Sarah Palin was actually like I feel like she owned it whereas like Bobert is kind of a, a she's sort of a like a a shaking trembling Sarah Palin like Sarah Palin was legit dumb Bobert is just like play acting a little like I don't think she's smart but there's a little too much play acting um on vaccines and vaccine apartheid Hef on YouTube did the WHO consult Joe Rogan I know right Because Rogan got better so like He's good I, we- I really do wish that Rogan created A donation fund if you Don't want the vaccine donate Yours to a country in the global South to a person in the Global South go like dude if you Don't want the vaccine that much then fucking give it away Send a shipment Help someone, fly someone into the States. Get them the vaccine. Uh, Sirloins1014 on YouTube, banning travel to and from countries that identify new variants is just going to dissuade countries from announcing the discovery of new variants. You're not wrong. Um, And thank you to everyone who, uh, you know, sent in a super chat. And of course, much to the dismay of a very small minority of people who listen to this podcast, we got to do the fart song and thank all of the people who've become patrons at 10 bucks or more, who get a shout out and all these big tippers. Um, Here you go. Thank you so much, James. You're wonderful new patron at 10 bucks or more. Getting that bonus content. Um, really appreciate you doing that. I believe it was when I asked for uh Wednesdays. Wednesdays or Patreon Wednesdays. You know, tip giving Tuesdays, Patreon Wednesdays, etc. Um big tippers, Joseph L. You're so wonderful, Joseph. Can you email me at bishiation at gmail.com? Cause I want to give you merch cause you give 10 bucks every single week. And that's so damn generous. Uh, to the Twitch subs, thank you so much for resubscribing. JYPZ rocks and Daisy dragon and ghost of Toller. And to all the new subs, Willie Gus, Dana Manning, depressed progressive, peace bow little Mac McGee, neurodivergent woolly, Daniel McConkey, pagan communist hippie, hippie spot and Hippie Spot. Ellie is currently writing there. And thank you to Edward Cote for your super chat, you guys. We're here every Sunday, 5-8 Eastern. Uh, thanks to Maximilian Inhoff, Thanks to Alexandra Orness. And thanks to, of course, producer Ellie Hoffman. Um, we'll be back here um, with Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop. If you guys listen to The Dollop podcast, he's wonderful. He's joining me next week on Sunday. Don't miss it. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye.